On today's episode, what do you do when you feel like something is missing in your life or career? As women, we do this where we pretend like things are perfect on the outside and we're faking it, you know, from my fake great marriage, from my fake great PhD experience and my fake, it was all fake and phony, but I had to keep it up. When Dr. Brandy got real with herself, something shifted. And now this professor turned entrepreneur has built an empire on her own terms. And later on the show, could you be experiencing anxiety? It can easily creep up on you. We'll tell you what to look for and what to do about it. And so the first sort of... um let's say telltale sign is your feelings. You'll start to to hear that message in your voice. Maybe you'll start to say to yourself, uh, wow, I'm moving really fast. Um, you'll start to hear that maybe a few days and a few weeks, you know, wow, I'm just feeling like um, I can't get my thoughts in line. Um, I'm really struggling to um, to sort of remember things. Welcome to the Joy Sutton Show, where it's all about joyful conversations to inspire your life. When you show up in the world as the best version of yourself, you give other women the inspiration, courage, and permission to do the same. It's my time to take care of me. What made you think you could do it in your 50s? You know, I didn't think I could do it, to be honest with you. I was scared to death. We are all on our own journeys, but we can do this together. And there's something powerful about sharing our stories and the wisdom we've learned along the way. So let's dive into today's conversation and get to living our best lives. You have to step out on faith. You have to take the first step and go for it. If you've ever wondered if this is as good as it gets, don't worry, you're not alone. My first guest, Dr. Brandy Baldwin, is proof that at any moment, you can choose to lead your life in a new direction. By shifting her mindset, this college professor turned CEO has proven the sky's the limit. She is now the founder and CEO of Millennial Ventures Holdings, the parent company to a suite of brands aimed at tackling the world's most relevant challenges. She's also an author of two books, a professor at the Wharton School of Business, and she's been named 40 under 40 by the Philadelphia Business Journal. Those are just a few of her accolades. And on top of that, she's also a mother of two. Well, you know, it's so funny when people sort of hear my bio and everything now, I think that it can give people a false sense that, you know, I'm special or any more special than anybody else. But I love to always share in my story uh, really about you know, who Bran is, you know, I tell people my nickname was a fiber growing up. It wasn't brand. It wasn't even Brandy. <laughs> it was just Bran. But I grew up in a single, you know, parent household. Uh, my mother, I was a latchkey kid. My mother was uh, in school almost as long as I was and finally became a nurse. She worked the night shift. So, you know, she would make sure after dinner and everything, I was snuggled in tight and she would leave me at the house to go to work uh, overnight. And, you know, she really instilled in me that education is the great equalizer. Take your education seriously. You know, you can have a better lifestyle than this. You know, we grew up to humble beginnings, right? Which is right. like a cute way. We was broke for a couple of years. We was just a couple years, but we was broke. You know, we mm-hmm. go to you know McDonald's, and I would be begging my mom for a Happy Meal, and she would take me to get that. And then we pull over in the parking lot of McDonald's, and she would share half of my Happy Meal. You know, like wow. I'm 
you know, but I, I didn't understand the importance of these lessons, you know, in growing up, the things that I saw that were normal, you know, I didn't, I never felt deprived at all, but she kept saying education's a great equalizer. Education's a great equalizer. So I internalized that. She was pretty hard on me. And I became this sort of overachieving young person, um, mm-hmm. you know, on the track team and in the orchestra and president of the student government. And I, I did all these things, but this is where the plot twist comes in. And I think it's going to resonate with some of your listeners is I did all of this. I went to college and pursued all these degrees, got a PhD before the age of 30. And the truth of the matter is I still felt empty. I still felt like I wasn't good enough. I went back to my mom. I said, mom, you lied to me. You know, and I didn't say that because she black. She would have popped me in the mouth. Okay. (laughs) For dramatic effect. I went back and had a debrief and I thought, I thought this education thing was supposed to give me, you know, something that breakthrough, that thing. Well, to the world, it made me look successful, but deep down inside, I still felt empty. And so she didn't have an answer for me. She's like, Hey, you old, look, you old enough now. Find that out for yourself. Go on your journey. And what I found was that leadership is the great equalizer, not education. You know, we Ooh. know many people that are very educated that, uh, you know, they, they're they not applicable. They can't apply their education to really support and help others. But I wasn't showing up as a leader. I was allowing everyone and every other thing to, to shake me around and point where I should go instead of me leading my life. Um, and, and the reason why I did that, though, was because I secretly didn't think I was good enough. It wasn't enough degrees in the world to, to fill uh, in my low self-esteem. And so uh, I tell people I was you know, struggling for something that I've dubbed perfection. Uh, it's not a real, you know, thing. It's, but it's, a word. Con- <laughs> it's my own word, but it's mm-hmm. a condition where, and as women, we do this, where we pretend like things are perfect on the outside and we're faking it, you know, from my fake great marriage, from my fake great PhD experience and my fake, it was all fake and phony, but I had to keep it up. Um, and, and when I got to that point in which I said, you know what, I just, I want to be real. I need to be back into alignment with the reality of uh, my life. And when you put yourself back in alignment, what it does is it gives you space to deal with the things that you're trying to cover up throughout all the achievement. Well, take me back to that moment, because I think that's so critical, where you realize you've gotten the PhD, right? You've moved up that ladder in your mind that you thought defined success, that defined you as a person. And you're having this moment where you're saying, I still don't feel fulfilled. Do you remember, was there a moment? Was there, were you sitting in your room? Was there something that clicked in for you to let you know that this wasn't fully it, that there was something missing? Yeah, you know what? It, it was a, it was a moment in prayer, quite frankly, have finally sitting my butt down somewhere. And I was so tired. I started to kind of break down into tears and I was tired of living for everybody else, trying to make everybody else happy. And I can't remember the specific, you know, what happened that day or that week, but it was the straw that broke the camel's back, essentially. And I was like, look, it doesn't matter how much I try to show up. I try to follow the rules. I try to be, you know, the nice person. I try to be helpful and I try to be this. And people will still not show any gratitude and and graciousness. So I was feeling a little in victim mode, you know, type of deal. But what I did after sort of meditating on that sentiment was, again, as a leader, if I take a leadership perspective about it, 
It's my fault that I have people around me that are users. It's my fault that I continue to overextend myself and then I'm burnt out in an emergency room and dehydrated at the end of the year. Well, you did that. You know, I'm the one that had boundary issues. I'm the one that had something to prove to everybody else. And and at some point I thought, what, you need to prove to yourself. <laughs> you mm. need to prove to yourself. And it was, you know, this, and I, I'm a Christian, I'm a woman of faith. And, and it, what came to my mind was, you know, God is no respecter of persons. There's any, there's not any one person that's any better than anybody else. And what I was doing was I was making other people better than me. And I was making, you know, and I was trying to play to that, you know, well, this person has a title, this person. And I said, I'm going to wash it all away. And I'm going to treat myself. I deserve respect just like everybody else. I don't care what your title is. You know, so it was that kind of reflective moment of being tired of just trying to do everything for everybody else. And it wasn't making me happy. But instead of blaming it and pointing the finger, quickly the Lord got me together and was like, that's you. You have created your lifestyle. Just like you've created something that you don't like, you can create something that you'll love. And then the journey began of not superficial success, but true success. Um, and it's been like that for many years. It's so freeing, very freeing to just be in that mindset. I love it. Well, you know what's really interesting? And you kind of brushed over this just a minute. Did you end up at one point from burnout in the hospital? Oh, is that true? Every year, every year. I, I went on four to five years straight in December. It, it would begin every year, end of the year, Soon as the semester was over and I was almost ready to turn my grades in and almost ready for the holiday every single year for four to five years straight. I was in the hospital thinking I had something, you know, I'm, I'm dying. I mean, I, I heart palpitation one year. I literally went to three cardiologists and they were looking at me like, ma'am, your family history, your weight, your, everything. You're great. These this is it's your mind. You are stressed out dehydrated. They got me on IVs for two days, three days. Oh, I just need a water and some rest. <laughs> you know, how sad. But you know what that was? It was a function of the fact that I wasn't honoring myself. There were there are little things that we do as women that we don't honor ourselves. For example, I used to work and sit at my desk for hours knowing I have to pee, you know, hey, to just be vote. But I'm just saying, you got to pee. Mean, I've done and it. I've done getting it. Up <laughs> to just use the bathroom. I'm going to sit here and hold it Two hours too long to get this work done. I'm going to skip lunch. You stop listening to yourself. Mm -hmm. You stop listening to. And it, it's little things we do to, to dishonor ourselves. And so, but, but we want other people to honor us. And we we quick to point somebody else out who's not treating us with respect at the job. Or, well, you don't respect yourself enough. Self-care, for example. That's self-respect to say, let me get some rest. Let me take a bath. Those small things. And I, I, what was a tough pill to swallow was, wow, you really have low self-esteem. I mean, it was like, it, I didn't know it. All the things, I, and I'm a very confident person. I'm a, I'm a go-getter. I'm a this, but when you really boil down to it, I really had low self-esteem and, um, it was a tough pill to swallow because how can I accomplish all of this and still have low self-esteem? It was hiding in plain sight. And um, it, I just really learned the hard way. And I hit rock bottom. I was tired of just, you know, again, muscling through, using my will to be successful, trying to strive instead of just being in a stride. 
just walk, just mm-hmm. be in your stride, be in the flow. I was, I was making it way harder than it needed to be. Now I get twice as much done with much more rest. I'm so resilient. I'm stress-free. Are you kidding me? It's, it's just weird. Uh, everything has shifted and my performance has been optimized. My purpose has been, you know, formalized, you know, just by making that small shift. So, whoa. So what was the shift that you made? I know you said that you have this moment, you know, you're, you've reached this height, you've gotten this PhD, but you realize every year you've been in the hospital from burnout, you know, burnout. And then you realize that it's because you're not feeling good enough, that you're overcompensating, you're working too hard. You're not even going to the bathroom at work because you have to perform because you feel like you have to perform. And you have this moment where you're like, I need to shift. What did you do? Was it a mindset shift? Was it a you know, that you, did you just have a moment where you had to start talking to yourself? How did you make that shift? Because many of us say, yeah, I see myself in you and where you were, and maybe that's me right now, but how do I, what do I do? So let me tell you how hard this was. What I, what I first had to do was slow down. And that's scary for me because what I was doing was my busyness was masking some things that I need to, needed to address. And so that was scary, you know, to be like, hold on, what if I'm not doing 50 million things at a time? What, how, it was abnormal for me to not be burnt out and tired all the time. I was wearing it as a badge of honor. Girl, how you doing? Girl, I'm tired over here. You know, I got so much. I was using that, you know, which was cold. I was trying to flex on people. You know, I'm doing more than you. That's really what that was. You know, I'm hustling more than you. Girl, if you don't get some Vaseline for your lips and go sit down somewhere, you dried out and, and, and dehydrated trying to flex on Come somebody on. else. But that's what it was. So I had to slow down. So the first thing was just for, you know, practical, I had to say, what is non-essential, right? Now, COVID-19, we learned about essential and non-essential this year. I had to do that years ago. What's non-essential? What are the things I volunteer to do that I need to back out of? And here's the problem with overachieving women is once we commit to something, we commit and follow through. We're like, I volunteered to be on the committee. I volunteered to be a board member. Guess what? I undid all of that. Sorry. I know I previously said I would join the committee or the board. I'm no longer available anymore. I didn't care about my reputation. I didn't care. And here's the truth. People who are, you know, consummate professionals, real business people, they get it and they understand it. And they say, you know what? Peace be unto you. Let us do know the door is do. still open. They're the people that are going to make you feel bad, those are the ones, It's it, they don't care about you. They care about what you were going to give to them. Mm. And so the, what's, what surprised <laughs> me though was 95% of it, things that I had to kind of detach from, they were all, they loved it. They were like, they were fine about it. Nobody, it wasn't the end of the world. They were like, awesome. I love the fact, you know, you need more balance. It was it was nothing what I thought it would be. Um, and like I said, the five percent that was hating on it, I, I've said, oh, well, that's interesting. So this was a one way relationship anyway. It wasn't reciprocal to begin with. You wanted Dr. Brandy, you know, for your benefit. So that's the first thing. The non-essential things clear, clear that out of your lives. The next thing that I would recommend is putting things back in order. So I woke up on my phone. I woke up. I woke up with anxiety. Let me check my email. Let me check. I was a slave to my email, to my phone, to my social media. How about let's wake up and pray? Let's let's try that. Let's wake up and, and give thanks. Let's wake up and um, just just sip some tea. Let's not turn anything on. I cut the news out. I haven't watched the news now in probably seven or eight years. Well, don't you feel like you're missing out on? No, I do not. I actually feel so peaceful. All of my friends that know everything. They're the most anxiety-ridden, stressed-out, fear-filled people that I know. And I like to stay actually away from them. And so 
that's something that took a lot of discipline to stop with it. If you really want to know the weather and the traffic, look it up on your phone, right? Like you don't need the news to. So you had to protect what was coming into your mind, whether that's the news, whether that's your music, whatever that is, is like you had to realize I need to protect what I'm allowing into my mind because it's impacting me. Yes. And oh, I love what you just said about music. So here's another thing I did. I'm not listening to Mary J. Blige. I'm going down. Like, I'm not doing that. Because the songs we listen to, I mean, the, it, yeah, it might be a vibe. It might, might remind us of the 90s and, you know, whatever. But there, it was to that point that I had to say, whoa, let me substitute what I'm even listening to in my household. You know, uh, what I put on, you know, on my my playlist, my Pandora. I just, and it was a point where, look, y'all gonna crack up. I was listening to, um, y'all remember the, uh, what's the uh, Lady Smith Black Mombazo? It's like an African co- mm-hmm. um, chorus. And I think back in the day, Michael Jackson used them and they did like the Kulala So Cool, you know, the little oh, Lifesavers commercial. <laughs> I was girl, I was listening to them. I was like, I don't know what they're saying, but the vibe and the energy <laughs> sounds good. I'm not even listening to English right now. You're like, it just is energizing me. It's just giving I'm me, like, taking it back to the motherland. Taking it back to the motherland. <laughs> like, it's just, let me put some classical music on. Let me put some Baroque, you know, Bach and Beethoven right now. I don't even need vocals because, but to your point, you're protecting your eyes, you're protecting your ears and you're making sure. And here's the thing, here's what a lot of your listeners are going to need to do. You will realize how off you are. I didn't realize, I was normalizing being off, being dysfunctional. It was so normal that I built up a muscle where now when I hear certain things, I'm like, turn that off. That what type of depressing Keisha Cole's out victimized <laughs> woman type of girl, let it go. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like the the everything that we are that's hitting us is victim bad. That, you know, and so what it did was it put some some deposits into my psychological bank account, my spiritual bank account, my emotional bank account, so that when stuff does hit the fan, because life is life, everything's right. not golden every day. I was not already depleted and about to, you know, um, have a whole meltdown. I was, I built my resilience back up. Oh, now I replaced people. And this is what some of y'all, your, your main problem is individuals. I replaced people in my life and had, and be, began to find real support, a real support network. Again, because when I need prayer, I, now I know who I can go to. When I need a motivation, I know when I need some real problem solving, right? I, I was had people around me who just co-signed everything I did. Girl, yes. Girl, you right. Girl, mm-hmm. Girl, oh, well, yeah, I'm not right all the time. You know, it's accountability. Mm. I, I replaced, I had accountability partners. You know, people who, when I was feeling down or scared about a business deal or whatever, I can call them and they say, get it together. What do you need me to do? Let me find a podcast episode. Damon John on Shark Tank has said this. Let me give you some resource. Not, girl, I'm so sorry you down, girl. You know, don't co-sign with me. Help to pull me up. Encourage me. You know what I love that you said that's so good? Because I think all of us have to take that moment. You know, you have this bottom moment and you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? You know, you said you needed to get rid of stuff. What's essential? You had to sit back and declutter and figure out, you know, what who needed to be in your life and have that and then really get clear on what balance was. Because if you don't have that balance, you can't really move forward in what you need to do. You're always going to be in this burnout mode. When did you realize that you had achieved balance? When did you realize that you were kind of shifting on the other side of this? Well, two easy, quick things. First, not as sick 
as I was. When I tell you guys, and this is hand to the Lord, I might, I might get quote unquote sick once a year. And by sick, I mean sniffles that don't even turn into anything, a bad allergy day. I mean, mm-hmm. years, my body, I just don't know. I mean, literally that, I mean, my lifestyle has really been improved because I'm not feeling sick. And we're talking, I used to have joint issues. My my knees are, you know, my back, my neck was stiff. I mean, everything was just so tight. So that's one thing that that made me go, okay, all right, now you, you yes, cooking with yeah. gravy, not right. <laughs> Whoa. So that was one thing. And the other thing is just peace. My anxiety level went down. And well, again, my anxiety was normalized. I woke up nervous every day. Every single day, I woke up nervous, you know, um, whereas now I'll wake up with pee. I'm like, good morning, world, <laughs> you know, come on with it. But I also want to talk about that shift you made in mindset to go from professor to CEO, you know, your CEO of Millennial Ventures Holdings, which isn't just one. I mean, it's a, co- you know, it's a holding company, but you have multiple companies underneath there. So how did you even in making that shift, getting that balance, you know, looking at there's more for me than this, realizing I am enough just as I am and making that shift to do something different? When did that happen for you? Yes. Yes. So, so okay. So good. So let me just say this, and this is going to be the scariest thing this literally is scarier than anything I've experienced. I mean, I, I've given birth to kids. I got two I had emergency C-sections. I mean, I've been in car accidents, all types of, let me tell you the scariest thing. <laughs> and this is, this is scary. It's, it's a different level of fear that I've experienced. The scariest thing that I've experienced, but the key to my breakthrough was letting go of who I was, my story about who, my identity and allowing Again, from my vantage point as a woman of faith, allowing the Lord to transform me into a new person, that's scary because this is what you have to literally do. Your story, your upbringing, who's wronged you, who's righted you, your degree. It's like you have to put a line in the sand and say, everything has happened up until this point. Great. I acknowledge it. It's made me who I am. But when you got, then you have to step over the line into literally an entirely new person. That is terrifying. It is scary because you know you. You've been living with you the, your whole life. And the, the thing that makes it even scarier is everybody around you who going to look at you like you crazy. Who do you think you are? Because they'll let you achieve because they see your low self-esteem underneath the achievement. But when they see that you are back into alignment and you are a new person, I mean, I'm not the same person at all. And some people can't take it. Uh, it's too much of a jump, too much of a shift. And what we like to do is put our pinky toe in, in changing ourselves. But when you renew your mind, it clicks. And it's, it's a point where you have no other choice but to show up as that new, better person on purpose. You're finally on purpose. You're focused. And, and here's the thing. You have to let go of what other people are going to think about you. People that know you, people that knew you, people that, I mean, and that's terrifying. It's scary because we do this life with people. With others, you know, it's our communities. And now we look just like little kids. When my ba- when my children were small, they take a step and they look back at me for reassurance. But it was to the point where I don't, I'm not looking back at anybody. I'm running my race how I say, like it, don't like it. You know, I'm not stepping, you know, over anybody and, and treating anyone negatively. But 
it was terrifying. And there are some of you who are so bought into your story, to your upbringing, to how you were raised, to mom and dad. All of that is such a part of who you think you are that you need to, in some ways, let all of it go. And if you really could show up with a fresh, clean slate as somebody, who would you show up as? But how do you know who that is? Because many people, I hear you're like, okay, I hear you, Dr. Brandy. You're saying, draw this line in the sand, right? That past, it doesn't have to define you. You get to define the new you. But how do you determine who the new you is? Because a lot of women, when they're stuck or they're trying to figure out the next step, they know something greater. They're like, but I don't know. You know, we have this kind of like, I don't know. Even though it may be deep in us, we feel like we, we're lost. We don't know. So how do you know? How did you figure it out? Who are you? You know what it was? It was, I knew, but I was pretending like I didn't because I was scared to have the answer. Because when you have the answer, you have to show up and acknowledge, you know, in alignment with that. So so how did I tangibly sort of uh, get focused on that was what doesn't feel right? There's so many things that don't feel right that we just ignore. It just don't. And there's so many things that we lie to ourselves about that we want to do. But again, we're out of alignment with it. Do you want to get healthy or not? Stop lying and saying that health matters to you because you're not showing up. You're at Popeye's every other <laughs> week. You're at Krispy Kreme. And here's the other thing, too. It's really showing up as yourself. So what I was what I had to struggle with was. Am I showing up how I think I should show up or how I think others want me to show up? I was, when I graduated with my PhD, I was using PhD language. I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> hop off of the SAT word, you know? And it was to the point where, you know, uh, Dr. Ba- Dr. Baldwin, uh, yes. And, you know, uh, hypothetically, you know, the theoretical underpinnings of the, it's like, that wasn't even me. And what I had to understand was I am still that, that chick. I'm still her. I don't have to flex all the time. So anytime you're showing up and you're trying to flex, you're trying to show, it shows that you're not in full alignment, less doing more being. And there's so many of us that are trying to do so many things to look like we're at a place. And instead of showing up authentically as ourselves. And so anything that I would, and and it would be like a gut check, like, oh, that didn't feel right. Or "Mm, being a part of this network and this group, I'm just trying to show off. This is just the elite networking group of blah, blah. That's really why I'm here. Not because I really like these women or these people. So let me, let me actually get back in alignment and not renew my membership and not keep coming back to this event, you know? So those are the things that you have to do, but, but you can't do it unless you get to a point where you're willing to, to become a new person and show up brand new. And there are rules that in the world, in our families that say that you can't be this. I was told you talk too much. You so extra. You, 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 you always be joking all the time. You are, all that stuff was in the back of my head. And so I tried to dial it down. Don't be too humorous and make sure you speak properly and make sure you do this. And, and then I was just like, look, I'm hype. I'm extra 1,000 on 1,000 all <laughs> that day. Is who I, I don't am. need coffee. I don't need sugar. I don't need, I'm just like all the time. If that doesn't work for you, it's your prerogative. But I'm not going to dumb myself down to make others feel more comfortable and more this. But the, but the hard part about it was it was the people closest to me giving me those messages. You know, it was the person who I love the most saying, you so extra. You so, you so. So in my head, I'm like, can I be extra? Can I? But guess what? Extra, I'm just Brandy. I can only be Brandy. And if Brandy, if you would like to characterize Brandy as extra, 
then my God, have at it, you know? And there's a prayer that I used to say that I got from Cindy Trim when I really was trying to mentally stay focused. And there was a portion in one of her prayers and she's like a pastor, you know, uh, and um, where, where she says in the prayer, I will not be marginalized, stigmatized, immobilized, characterized, terrorized, tolerated, misjudged, misused, criticized, censored, or mismanaged. And I would say that and as a part of the full prayer, every single day, I'm not going to be mischaracterized by anybody. Wow. I'm not going to be terrorized. I'm not going to be tolerated. I'm not going to be misjudged. I'm not going to be misused. And that kept me focused on, uh-oh, somebody trying to mischaracterize me. Somebody trying to, that's not who I am. When you know who you are, you're able to be in alignment, be in peace and show up. I truly believe, you know, you ain't that confused. Stop psyching yourself out. You're psyching yourself out and acting like you don't know, because what if you actually woke up and said, I'm actually clear. I'm, I've been clear that I want to get out of this marriage and that it's not working for me. I've been clear that you know, I wanted to take this career path and, and I've just been punking out on, on executing. I've been clear that uh, I know exactly what to do to get healthy, but uh, I have, um, you know, uh, issues with, you know, self-discipline. Uh, mm. I've never built the muscle of self-discipline. You know, I, I, I really want to be learned and in, in, in this area or whatever, but you know, I'm actually lazy. I'm lazy. Uh, and I prefer to watch Real Housewives and I prefer to stay on Instagram for three hours. That hurts. So at what point are you going to just say rain or shine, sleet or snow, sunny or not, I'm going to focus on you know, living and building my best life. And it is a build. It is a build. It's not something that you either have it or you don't. Every day I fight to keep my peace, to keep my children's peace, to make sure that we can execute and perform. It's a conscious decision and and you have to be authentic. And so you said a, a little while ago, how did you shift, you know, from professor to this? And quite frankly, you know, it took a little bit of a, a while because I thought that a CEO was somebody. I thought it was a certain caricature, a certain avatar, you know, and in my head, it was the older white male millionaire CEO, you know, and I had to, you know, I'm like, man, how do I do that? Well, you're never going to be able to do that because sweetie, you're a black girl, first of all, right. you know, you're young, you're there. <laughs> and so I had to, to redefine for myself, well, what does being a CEO look like for me? What is being a, what does a CEO look like with two little kids? What does a CEO look like you know, for a, for a millennial, what does a CEO, I had to define that for myself and be okay with, I'm following my own model. And it's so much easier. Things were just, you know, happening quicker, easier, because I took off the limits and the assumptions I had about how I should be showing up. I think that's what you said that was so critical is that a lot of times the answers, once you slow down, once you get in alignment, once you start listening, the answers are coming to you. I used to say, if I felt like I had to bam and kick on the door, it's not my door. Because when the doors were for me, they swung open. I may have had to knock, but they swung open. But two things I want to say, because I think even as people hear your story right now, they're thinking, wow, she's arrived. And so I wonder, even in your arriving and getting to this, this point, do you ever have those moments where you sit back and cry, where you question yourself, because I think people feel like once I make it to this point, I'm never going to have those thoughts again. So can you just be real transparent with us? Do you still have those moments, even as someone who has multiple companies, you know, do you still have that? Absolutely. Every week, every week I crouch in the corner and I get on my knees and I, I literally cry and, and I'm tearing up now even because 
to whom much is given, much is required. And what people don't understand is this is this is less about you. You know, every day that you do not go after your dreams, there there are people that are missing out on on something they need to hear. You know, every day, if I were to, if if Joy wasn't doing this show and she didn't pick me, then you wouldn't be listening to gems that I'm giving to you. So this mm. this is real life. This isn't a video wow. game. This isn't. Wow. We don't have a, a second take. Every week, once a week, and I don't plan. I'm like, oh, Tuesday, I'm a cry in a corner. Mm. But I, I fall to my knees and I just ask the Lord to help me to continue because it's not about me. And so what made it hard for me to step out in a big way that I really, I wanted to, but I was so scared was because I made it all about me, my success, what I'm going to be able to do. What, now, what I, I've shifted, and I've been like this for years, where I have to show up for other people. I'm not here. Oh, well, I'm scared to put my marketing up on LinkedIn. I'm scared to share this on Instagram because I don't want to be coming across. Guess what? Oh, you want to see me on LinkedIn. You want to see me making sure that I'm letting everybody know what I'm doing because the more people, the, the more successful I am, the more people that I help. So, the you know, you at the house struggling doing eight months of research for something, please hurry up and, and execute because there are people that need you. You may say, well, I'm not, it's not a podcast. I'm not a thought leader. You might bake the best pies, but guess what? They may make people just feel warm and fuzzy inside. Do that. Let's go, you know? And so every single week, every, I mean, I am in a humble position. I am a servant to those out there that have not even heard me yet. There's something that I will be able to help them in the right time. You know, our paths are going to collide. And so I'm preparing for that at all times. And so uh, I'm never, you know, I'm never flying high. I'm, I'm consistent because the, the truth of the matter is, y'all, look, this is real talk, man, for real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you do get a little extra success and you do get, it is, and it's not like pressure or anything, because when you're in alignment and in, in your purpose, it's not pressure, but it's a huge responsibility. It's not about getting there. It's about sustaining it. And so, but in order to sustain this, you have, there's so many things that have to be in alignment. You have, to, I, can, I have four brands operating right now. So I need to make sure that I got the same 24 hours in the day that everybody else does. But see, I have to make sure to stay healthy, stay, my, keep my mind clear. You know, um, I got the lawyers on deck. There, there's always something happening. Every uh, time you turn around, something happens. But guess what? I take it in stride. I take it with ease. I'd love to have these problems. There was a time when I couldn't beg anybody to, can you book me for free? Uh, no, thank you. What's, what's your, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, I talk. Okay, what topic? Uh, what topic do you need? Uh, no, thank you. Okay, uh, somebody can relate to that for sure. I mean, nobody. Oh, oh people, people want me now, I'm bookable. I'm booked and busy all the time. You know, it, it's like, you know, it's a honor and it's a service. You know, I'm not here to serve people. I'm here in service of people's best interests. And that's a difference because sometimes when you're too much of a servant, that's when you burn out. That's when it's not reciprocal. But when you show up in service of others' best interests, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm going to give you what you need. And I think that the, the least we can do is show up and show out as many days as humanly possible. And it's about legacy. Every day that I wake up, I'm grateful and I'm thankful, but I'm also aware that every day that I wake up is one less day that I'm going to be on earth. And so that keeps me focused. It puts a lot into perspective. It's one less day 
And so I need to make sure that every single day counts and I don't need to hustle and grind every day. I need to just be on purpose every single day because tomorrow will be one less day that I'm here. And we are quickly moving toward our last day. And so what do you want your legacy to be? And I think that, um, you know, how sad would it be to leave this earth and leave this world and you didn't even try to be yourself. You didn't even try to be authentic, to live the life that you wanted. There's no one else to blame for that but you. And so we have so much control over how we show up and how we experience life. You know, this year with COVID-19, some people experienced a tragic, harsh, you know, horrific, fear-filled year. And sometimes it was rightly so because things did really hit home. But there are so many other people that had the best year, not because they made money and they were successful. It's because their perspective was different. So right now where you are in your mess, in your perceived lack or whatever, there's somebody in the same situation as you that has peace that has joy, you know, that has resolve, that has contentment, that has hope. And so if you switch your lens, your lifestyle will also switch. And I'm an, I'm an eternal optimist. It ain't over till it's over. What will you do with the time you've been given? What impact do you want to make? In terms of Dr. Brandy, she's also launching a new media venture, The Colorcast Podcast Network, a podcasting platform dedicated to elevating diverse voices globally. All I can say is wow. And Dr. Brandy also donates 100 hours every year of coaching and advice. To learn more and to connect with Dr. Brandy, check out the show notes or go to drbrandy.com. Don't go away. Up next, we're talking with an expert about the signs that you might be dealing with anxiety. It was a huge wake-up call for me. Are you a coach, consultant, entrepreneur, or author who wants to own your stage and embrace the spotlight? Through my media coaching services, I will help you get camera ready. To learn more, check out the show notes or go to thejoysutton.com. Today's Coach's Corner, I want to talk about anxiety. I don't know about you, but this year has been emotionally challenging for me. At times, I've just felt overwhelmed. And even though I'm doing things I love, it still can feel like a lot sometimes. If you've ever felt like this, you're not alone. That's why I wanted to bring in an expert to help delve deeper into this topic. Sage Kirk with the Sage Counseling Center says many people struggle with anxiety and it's very common, particularly around the holidays. There are so many people. And I think, you know, as a general rule in our society, we are geared to be uh, performers and impactful at what we do. And so a lot of times that definitely causes us to overextend ourselves and to want to push to our limits. But also sometimes we get into that pattern of pushing beyond our limits to a sense that wouldn't be as healthy for us. So absolutely, anxiety is one of those things that creeps up all the time. And as you mentioned, um, particularly around the holidays. Yes, that's very normal. Well, what you said is really interesting that it can creep up on you. 
Because I think people don't realize, they think it may be something big that happens that causes it. Talk to me about how anxiety can kind of creep on, on you. And before you even realize it, you're struggling with it. You got it. So there are so many things, you know, we, we realize that we are going about our lives at a very fast pace. We want to achieve our goals and we want to achieve our dreams. And it's very um, in our minds to press forward. And so as we're going and we're focused on what we're trying to achieve, it's so easy to forget about ourselves. And that's sort of an oxymoron because the dream and the goal is for ourselves. But there's also a piece of us that is just us and it's sort of that quiet um, inner side. And so that can get neglected in the midst of us just pounding through. And so um, the anxiety that you're speaking about creeps up when we are focused elsewhere and that inside that we need that needs our care tends to be overlooked in some of the things and care that we need. So the anxiety is can be a result of our inner selves needing a little bit more from us. Ooh, that's a lot to unpack. That is so good, Sage, because sometimes I feel like that myself. You know, I am trying to achieve, I'm going after my dreams, but there's a part of myself, like you said, that innermost self that you're not taking care of, that you're not listening to. And I wonder if you think kind of anxiety is a way of kind of a warning sign to ourselves that something is going on here, that you're not paying attention. Anxiety is definitely telling us something. Anxiety is a sign. It is a symptom. It's telling us that something underneath emotionally is going on. The thing about anxiety is it's not something that goes away. Until we lift the blanket, lift the cover, and actually go into what's actually causing us to be upset or disgruntled or anxious, the anxiety will continue and intensify. So we could also think of it, if we want an example of that, we can think of it like a toothache. When you have a toothache, it's an indication that maybe you have a cavity and you should go to the dentist. So when you have anxiety and you start to experience this tension, this general um, dis-ease in your body and you're feeling very um, either heat up or very tense, you know that that anxiety is coming up and it's something that we have to, um, just like going to the dentist, we can go to a, a counselor actually and work through some of those deeper things that are causing the anxiety. I love that because I want to piggyback on that a little bit is you have to deal with the root because even if you learn the coping skills, but you don't get to the root, it's going to always resurface. Absolutely. And if the dentist doesn't find that cavity, worse things are going to happen. It's the same with the mental health, just as you said. How does it begin to show up? Because, you know, as I listened to my first guest and it was so powerful because she said every year I ended up in the ER because she was pushing herself so much. So when we think about this, how is it showing up? How is it manifesting itself? Yeah. So we want to think about it in levels. That's the thing about anxiety. And that's the thing about our bodies um, with the link between our mental health and our physical health. Uh, when we don't hear the mental health side, the warnings, the feelings, that's that's a big part of it, right? The feelings, our messages, our communication to ourselves about ourselves. And so the first sort of um, 
let's say telltale sign is your feelings. You'll start to to hear that message in your voice. Maybe you'll start to say to yourself, uh, wow, I'm moving really fast. You'll start to hear that maybe a few days and a few weeks, you know, wow, I'm just feeling like um, I can't get my thoughts in line. Um, I'm really struggling to um, to sort of remember things. Uh, maybe we even forget to eat, uh, forget to drink water, forget to take time to go to the bathroom. Yes, it happens. Okay, <laughs> that's so huge. I, I know you're going to go on with this, but I have to stop you there because all of those things that you're talking about, I have personally experienced not eating. And I thought like you get so busy, but it's a defense mechanism. Cause somebody said to me, you're in fight or flight mode. And when you go in fight or flight mode, your body turns off the signal for eating. So that, you know, really hit me that you said, and I wonder how many people are, are dealing with that, just not eating, not going to the bathroom. And then your mind already telling you, but you're like, calm down. It's okay. Absolutely. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. So the, by the time that you feel, you know, hunger and real, you know, a real appetite, your body was actually giving you signals long before that, that it was time to nourish yourself or to drink water. So as you're saying, this anxiety is really sort of a buildup of all of these signals that, hey, you've really missed these things. You forgot to feed me. You forgot to give me water. Uh, you, um, you forgot to be kind to me. You forgot to notice me. Oh my goodness. This sounds like a husband. I mean, but it is it's about the relationship with yourself. It's exactly what it is. Yes. So, so when you start to feel anxiety, you know that that relationship is off. Okay. You all in my business. I feel like Sage, I feel like you've been like watching me or something. And it's so interesting because I feel like one of the indications to myself too, is I can look at my house and there'll be cabinet doors open cabinet doors. I'm like, what is, why is the cabinet door open? Yes. That's so, I love that you brought up that example. You, you, so like we're talking about, you're going to feel those physical symptoms. I haven't eaten. I'm feeling starving. I'm feeling low energy. That's a big one for women in particular, because we push so hard. So we'll have low energy. Um, we'll start to feel tired. Our sleep may become a problem. We might feel so keyed up that we can't go to sleep at night. So that's another signal that if you're having trouble going to sleep, it could be some of that anxiety that's coming up and causing that. And then there's what you said. There's the physical telltale signs of what you see around you that start to clue you in. So if you see cabinet doors open, you know. Um, I won't say the dishes in the sink because we're all guilty of that. It's something to be aware of nonetheless, that if you start to see clothes lying around, uh, we're not putting up our makeup into our makeup bag and putting it away the way we normally would. Um, our desk is disarray. These are some of some really good indications where when we look around our surroundings, do they look like they normally do though to our standards, if you will? And when we see that, we can say, OK, wait, that's another sign that something is off. That is so good. I wonder why that is. I wonder why it shows up even in the physical things around us. Is it because our mind can't, it's so overwhelmed that the small task of even just shutting the door of the cabinet or doing those small things of putting the dishes in the dishwasher 
are too overwhelming. So the body is like kind of in a survival mode. I'd be so happy to talk about that. It's, it is that there is overwhelm. And the other thing is that your mind is going so fast that you are going to miss details that you would normally get every time. That is so good. Mm -hmm. And that's one of those things we want to think about too, because when we think about our um, our minds, our worldview, our state of mind, if that starts to feel um, negative, uh, resentful, we start to notice anger. These are some of those things. What will happen with the anxiety is that we will confirmation bias. We will start to only notice the negative and miss that positive to help balance that out. So that's something else you can be thinking about. Um, what we say is when your worldview goes negative, you start to just feel negative. You can know that that's a signal that that mental health and that anxiety is off. And as you said at best, that relationship needs some help. Well, before we get into that relationship, one other thing I wanted you to touch on is how it can manifest itself physically in your body. Mm. Because we've talked about, you know, the thoughts that are coming, you're neglecting yourself, you're forgetting to eat or maybe going to the bathroom or all that. Then you're looking at your physical space and you're like, this isn't usually what I'm used to. So something's going on here. But then, you know, when I think about Dr. Brandy, who was on before you, who said it started manifesting itself in physical symptom as well. How does anxiety show up as a physical symptom in your body? It definitely does. You know, there are a couple of things that I'll just tick off the list off the top is headaches, muscle tension. Your shoulders will start to rise up closer to your to your cheeks and where you'll notice you'll have sort of like a crunched neck. Your shoulders will come forward um, and it'll look like you kind of have slumping posture. So this sort of tension pulls everything forward and down. You'll notice this sort of tension between your eyebrows and you'll notice tension in your jaw. Anxiety can even go to the point of your hair falling out. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to notice sort of um, this, this just sort of general tension in your body. When you do have a moment to sit still and you maybe um, have a moment to just pause, you'll notice a lot of tension um, in your fingers, in your neck, in your, in your, even in your legs, and you'll notice you're getting a lot of headaches. Those are probably the, some of the more obvious ones that, that we will pick up. And the other thing I'll mention, um, you know, these are, these are some of the symptoms that when we go to a doctor and we say, I'm having um, gastrointestinal um, issues or I'm having headaches and migraines. Um, these are certain things that, you know, sometimes when they say, and this is, this happens, um, I can't find anything really wrong with you. Mm. How frustrating is that? And then you might get the, you could get the report of, well, maybe this is emotional. Wow. And that can feel very isolating. You can feel very at a loss when you get something like that because we go to a doctor to have a diagnosis and a plan of action. And so sometimes we just, we have to sort of recognize that, that um, when we get that report to reach out for help. And that's, that's a good time that you can ask for help. No, that's so good because you said it's starting to, like you said, it's initially those telltale signs and paying attention along the way and then getting to the point that it even starts to manifest in its your, itself in your body to the point you go to the doctor and they're like, 
there's nothing really wrong with you. And it's so crazy to me that the connection between our mental health and our physical health is so strong. You think a lot of people forget that? It's so easy to do because we're so geared in our culture to think of physical things that we're just now starting to really come online and hear the messages of how important mental health is. No, I love that. And so one of the things I want to go back to, because this is the, the, I think the linchpin of what you were talking about is all of this starts a lot of times with our relationship with ourselves. Ooh, Ooh, Ooh. that's so good. Let's unpack that a little bit more. Yes. Where should we start? I know. So when you think about the relationship with yourself, how important is it? How do you even connect into your relationship with yourself? Because you said for a lot of high achievers or women who are going after their dreams, we feel like we're doing things for ourselves because our reason for going after our dreams is because we want to make an impact and that's fueling our soul. But there's a part of us that's being left out. So it's kind of like, how do you even? like tap into that. It's a subtle thing, isn't it? It's such an ironic, subtle shift there because we are doing this for others and we're also doing it because it provides meaning to us. At the same time, just because we have a passion for something, it doesn't mean we're not going to get burnt out from time to time. So that's something that we have to, that we as as women, as we're going through this, we have to... Um, we have to find that balance. And that's that's so hard because we think I give and give and give so much to this dream and so much to what I love. Um, and so we have to remember also that there there is that part of us too that we're taking care of. And speaking to the relationship, think about the most important relationship that you have in your life. And let's compare it to that. That is a good comparison and seeing how would you, I remember somebody once saying to me, would you say the things that you say to yourself to a best friend? Would you neglect a best friend and not tune in to her if she called you and said, I just need to talk. But many people don't know where to start in terms of how to tune in and to connect with that part of yourself. How do you tell people where to begin with that? Is it just sitting down and you know, having a conversation with myself? How do I get to that point? I'm realizing I'm having a problem, but I'm like, I don't even know how to find her or connect to her. Well, the first thing, let me say, if you're in that position and you're feeling that isolation, let me tell you, you are not alone. Every single woman out there struggles with this at some point in their lives. So you are even That's good to know. Yeah, even <laughs> if you feel alone, you are not. You are not out there on your own. And so what we do is, and that's what I do with a lot of my clients, is we go through this process of one, first, how to see yourself. How can you touch something and connect with something that you don't know is there? So what we're doing is first starting out with what is coming out. Now, a lot of times, by the time someone comes to therapy, that is something like anxiety. Anxiety is coming out. And so that's where we start. It seems crazy, but that's exactly where we start. Um, so maybe the body isn't, isn't communicating. Maybe th that self isn't communicating. I love you just yet. Maybe all it can say is, I'm anxious. I need help. Okay. So that's it, really. We start with where, where we're at. So I think it's really interesting as you're saying this, because it just reminds you that 
your mind or your inner self is always talking to you. It's always giving you signals. It's always saying something. And I love what you said is like realizing that if it's gotten to the point of anxiety that you're experiencing this, that you're noticing the cabinet doors are open or you're noticing that you're experiencing physical symptoms, that that's a sign that you may need help. And I think this is a good place to say, how do I know if this is something I can just process on my own and get through it? Or is this something I really need to talk to someone about? Because I think a lot of times people think, oh, this will go away, or I can deal with this on my own. But how do you know that you need help beyond just a girlfriend chatting with your girlfriend? As you said, sometimes you can kick it on your own. You you are resilient and you have skills. So you absolutely can sometimes. Sometimes it's just grabbing a a self-help book on anxiety and going through the workbook. And if that solves it, that's amazing. Go for it because you feeling good is exactly the point anyway. The next, you know, sort of point of contact, if you will, if you need a little more than that and you want to talk to a friend and that's, that solves it for you right on, because again, the whole point is for you to feel good. So if, if you have a good friend and after that conversation, you feel like that really resolves the anxiety, then we're cheering for you. The, the next level and therapy can be at any of those levels. That said, if you, don't feel like it's solving the problem. And here's another thing for women. We don't want to burden anyone. Mm. We know, yeah, we know that others are just as busy as we are. And so a lot of times we emotionally don't want to feel, it can be called dumping. We don't want to feel like we are, or sort of burdening anyone. And so that that is another point. So therapy um, and getting help, so to speak, is just that point of, hey, I, I want to talk to someone who I won't be a burden to. The other is they're trained to know exactly how to help me. And then the third point is sometimes the anxiety is coming up because we've overwhelmed the coping skills we have. And so seeking that help can just give us more tools in our toolbox to make us stronger. And so the next time that you start to get in this type of situation, it'll be much easier for you because you have more tools. Do you feel like journaling is helpful? Are there any other exercises that women can um, try during this time? Yeah, so there are a lot of things that you can do and it's important that you find out what works for you. So if there's one thing you try and you think, you know, this doesn't work for me, you absolutely should change it up pivot, they say. So, you know, try the journaling, um, try it in a different, um, in different mediums. Some people like to journal on their phones in the Word app. Some people like to type on their laptops and some like this beautiful flowery journal that they write because the writing slows them down and their brains in, in effect as that as well. So definitely do that. What I would also recommend is Um, At night, if you have trouble sleeping, open up that uh, reminder app on your phone and start typing out the reminders and things that are filling your mind so that you can put those in the phone, put them away, and then have a clear head to sleep. The other thing that I'll recommend is breathing. Um, Mm. That seems very simple, but I can promise you with anxiety, there's a lot of 
um, deep breathing and slow breathing that is not happening, which is increasing the anxiety. So you really got to slow that down a little bit and get your body back into um, a nice rhythm. So do that, but definitely don't forget the eating and drinking water too. Simple things, but very important for the mind and the body. Mm -hmm. Can exercise help as well? Have you found in terms of just slowing the mind down from that um, anxiety or feeling that anxiousness? Does that help at all? Or has there been shown any benefits? Absolutely. There are definitely benefits. Um, one thing that I'll highlight is a walking meditation. Um, a lot of times when we are exercising, we're trying to exercise for weight loss. With anxiety, you can also flip that script and say, I'm, I'm exercising for calmness and mental clarity and slow it down a little bit where either you're walking and feeling the pavement on your feet or you're slowing down the walk and noticing the things around you. So if when you're going through your walk, you're really not noticing anything, you know you can slow it down and start to notice, are there birds out here? Is there water flowing? Is the breeze happening? Getting into that sensory stuff uh, that's really juicy and um, can make us feel a lot better and decrease the anxiety. Well, this has been so good because I think you had so many golden nuggets to share. I feel really the take home point or one of the things that really hit home for me is remembering you're not alone, mm. that there are other people that experience this at some point in their life that try the coping skills that you have, but don't feel guilty if you want that special time for yourself to talk to someone who's trained to help you to get through it. Someone said uh, that, you know, therapy is like um, trying to take a shower on a cold day. You don't want to get in, but once you do, you don't want to get out. And it's the same thing with mental health. So it's one of those things you can, you can go because it feels good and it's something that's positive for your life and helps you grow. Um, but it can also be to go and process just these one, just this one thing. And if you're having anxiety and you go and finding that root cause, you can expect that anxiety can be completely gone. I love that. And I think that's a huge message for people to hear. And one other thing that I think is really critical during this time of being in a pandemic, I mean, there was a time where you had to go into the therapist's office um, to sit there and to sit on the couch. You know, you, we have all these images in our head of watching TV <laughs> or even experiencing it yourself because I did go through counseling when I was in college because I was dealing with some challenges with adjusting. And, you know, I did have that couch moment where you're just sitting there. But Therapy has changed a lot. And so there is the option that you don't have to go to the couch that if that feeling is a little bit uncomfortable for you or even during the midst of the pandemic, there are options for telehealth. Do you find more people are tapping into that? And what is the telehealth experience really like? Well, I'll say, I, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind an hour to go and lie on a couch. Amen. I will <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, but I will say, yes, uh, we, we don't do that. We don't do sort of the psychoanalysis so much anymore. Um, it's, it's more modern therapy now. And to your point, telehealth. Um, so that's something where, you know, you meet with a therapist from the comfort of your home. And the beauty of that is uh, you can be sitting at the kitchen counter. You can be lying on the couch. You can be sitting on the floor with your dog and speak to a therapist and be working through some of those important things that can really change your life. So this telehealth, um, it's definitely um, come about as a result of this pandemic, a safe way to meet and connect um, with a therapist, which is a very wonderful tool. And I'm all about tools. So if it helps us connect, I will, um, I will be forward. It. And so I 
also think, you know, as a result, even as we move through this pandemic, telehealth is something that is available. There was a lot to unpack from this interview, but I think my biggest takeaway is listening to yourself. If you're experiencing anxiety, your body is trying to tell you something. I mean, I know personally, it can be so easy to brush past it, but I hope today's conversation with Sage will challenge you to dig deeper. To learn more about Sage and her counseling services, check out the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to The Joy Sutton Show. If this show is blessing your life, please share with a friend and leave a review. And make sure to connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. I would love to hear from you. And always remember, this is your time to shine.